This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 232 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Like most emerging technologies, artificial intelligence can be used for good or bad, depending on who's using it, their intentions, and how they apply it. There can also be unintended consequences, which presents policymakers with challenges when trying to apply guardrails to things like AI. Our guest today is Megan Jacquot. She's an associate cybersecurity threat intelligence analyst at Recorded Future. On today's episode, Megan describes her work with international nonprofit For Humanity and how they aim to be an informed source for policymakers who are setting the rules of the road on the future internet. Stay with us. I have really always been a very curious person. I've loved to learn. Uh, I've always liked to take things apart and figure out exactly how they worked. And I also like to help people. And so that really led me on a journey of going into STEM education and helping others in their own journey. And I decided about four years ago that I really wanted to take a even deeper dive into technology. And as everyone knows who's in technology, it's such a vast and huge field. And so I had to figure out what I wanted to do within technology. And so I decided, you know, I have this yearning to help others and what could that be within technology? And so I decided to go into cybersecurity. And so I, decided that I would actually go and go back to school. And I went back and got a second bachelor's degree in computer science with a focus in cybersecurity and networking. And I finished that degree fairly recently. And um, so I'm actually fairly new to Record the Future. And so that is what led me to start um, at being at Record the Future as an associate cybersecurity threat intelligence analyst. And here I am. What was your original degree in? What were you doing before you decided to make that shift? So prior to this, my original degree was in secondary education um, with a focus in um, just general studies. So I was actually doing um, humanities, um, but I had done um, some focus also in science. Um, So I kind of consider myself a person of all trades. Um, So I've both taught science and humanities. I was teaching AP English and science. Um, And so, you know, you've heard like the left brain, right brain, um, which is kind of a misnomer. (laughs) They've done some studies on that. Um, And so um, prior to that, I had a degree in that, a bachelor's in that, but I also have a master's in leadership as well. So, you know, I have to say, I mean, that's really interesting in that Um, I could see that your teaching experience and skills really benefit you in the cybersecurity world. Um, I think it's fair to say that among tech people, uh, folks who are able to explain things and teach other people are in high demand. Oh, absolutely. I think that the ability to deconstruct concepts and and take a a large idea um, and explain that to others is tremendously helpful as well as just being able to see big picture, Um, being able to, um, you know, think about different audiences. So one of the things that we do as analysts all the time is we have to think about how much of our information that we're sharing goes to different levels of people. 
Um, so we have the C-suite it's going to. We also have um, the technical people. And so we're frequently writing to very different audiences and having to convey that information. And so a lot of that goes into being an educator as well, as well as organizing and planning. Um, so, so many of the different skills um, it translated very, very well. You know, my sense is is that there's a a good amount of um, collaboration there among the Insect Group at Recorded Future. Can you give us some insights on that? How how do you how do you maximize what everyone brings to the table to, as you say, be able to deliver these intelligence reports uh, to the people who need them in the way that they need them to best consume them? That's something I absolutely love about my team. So we have, like my small team has two weekly meetings where we do round robins about who's working on what and who needs help. And then from a larger team perspective, the whole NSIC group has um, production team meetings where everyone shares out, like these are big picture, what people are working on. And you get kind of in insight into, you know, this is the big picture of what is happening from a bigger perspective. And I really like that because then you can kind of see how you fit in with those things. And people have been really great about like, oh, you know, if you want to work on this project or if you want to help out with that research. And so I've found that to be really both fascinating and, and I, I just love that collaboration. Like I was talking with one of my team members and and I'm not a military veteran, but I'm definitely an ally of veterans. And I was, and so he's working on a veterans report that will come out um, that's like research-based about scams that go on about veterans. And they said, you know, I, I heard you need a little bit of help with that. I would be happy to help with that, but I totally understand if you'd only like veterans to be working on it. He's like, no, no, please help with that. So when we're collaborating with our colleagues, we're actually able to have a really excellent end product. And then it really makes it so we can have something that people can do something with. And then everyone is better off from a cybersecurity posture. Yeah, I mean, you know, time and time again, we see studies that support the notion that, you know, the more diversity of thought you get when you're collaborating on problem solving, you come up with better solutions. And and I think what you're speaking to really uh, is that that very thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and I and I enjoy just the the conversations that we have as a team, and that people are coming from different places, and mm. that that no idea is. Um, you know, cast aside and, and different people come up with um, different thought processes. And, and so I think that that's um, ends up just adding to a richness. Well, there, there are a lot of things that you're involved with beyond Recorded Future itself. Uh, you contribute to uh, uh, an organization for humanity. Can you give us uh, some of the background there? So for humanity is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and really the name in itself um, tells you a little bit about part of their focus, right? So we are humans here on our one and only planet. And mm. the idea is that artificial intelligence and emerging technologies should be here to help us and be here in a positive way with and for us. And it should not be adverse and it should not, the technology should not be doing harm. And also from a down risk perspective as well. So, so mm -hmm. not just um, looking at technology 
from a passive way. And so one of the main things that we wanted to do um, in 2021 was to think about getting the word out there about the organization and also about um, a draft regulation that got passed in the European Union that, as many people know, in um, cybersecurity, um, GDPR had sweeping changes in a lot of places. Um, Mm. And so there was a draft regulation that was passed in the European Union called um, the Draft EU AI Regulations. And so that was passed in the spring of this year. And so that right now has no ramifications. (laughs) Um, Mm. And so it will go into debate mode for at least several years. So it, it has no changes on anything. But it means that people should start to be aware of it because when a legislation goes into place several years from now, it very likely will impact other countries, just like GDPR Mm. did impact other countries, right? It was not in isolation. It did not just impact the European Union, the European Economic zones. And so it's a good thing to start thinking about how, you know, we aren't just, one country's not just in isolation. We do impact each other. Parts of it, like, it it really starts out very positive, where, you know, it says artificial intelligence can be very beneficial, and it can help so many things. And and we know that, right? (laughs) I mean, we know that artificial intelligence has been used in so many good ways, and it has been used and countless, countless ways to make things more effective and efficient. And then Mm. in the next part, which is almost the second part of it, it says, and I'm going to direct quote it, at the same time, depending on the circumstances regarding its specific applications and use, artificial intelligence may generate risks and cause harm to the public interests and rights that are protected by union law, so European Union when it says union law. Mm -hmm. Such harm might be material or immaterial. And so what will be really interesting to see is over the next couple of years, how it gets shaped because it could change drastically through the deliberations and then what the outcomes will be in regards to how it impacts other countries globally. What are some of the specific concerns of the For Humanity group? You know, what are some of the things that, that you all have your eye on uh, and you're, you're either advocating for or against? Yeah, so what we want to do is we want to kind of get out ahead of it um, and, and understand like, hey, this is where this is going and not not just from the EU perspective. Um, so we have a lot of members um, in For Humanity that are in EU countries, um, but we're, we're a global organization. So um, I was um, part of the podcast team, um, but there were three hosts of the podcast. um, And so um, the other two hosts were in different countries. um, Mm. And so we were a global podcast team. um, And so we wanted to get the word out there. um, And our first series of the podcast covered this. Our second series covered bias. And our third series, we haven't started yet. We're just doing the very basics of scope um, because we, we really do this as a 
is a very like minimal part because we all have part we all have full time jobs too. So it's sure. a very minimal part of what we do. <laughs> Right, um, right. So um, our our third series, we're just starting the very basic planning part, but it will probably be about um, AI and HR, um, human resources. Really, what we want to do is show what are different ways that artificial intelligence and emerging technologies interact with humans, and what are some positives, what are some downside risks, um, what are some ways that um, researchers are seeing things. I mean, so we bring on guest researchers and have them discuss what they're seeing um, and what are some ways that we can do things better for humans. So that's what a lot of for humanity is about. And then mm-hmm. what are some ways that we can have um, governance and transparency around that? Um, so a lot of it is GRC based. And then I always like to have a cybersecurity focus on that from like a data privacy perspective. And so I, to me, that's really important is like, you know, where where are we looking at and what are we looking at in regards to what's happening with the data? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. How is that being secured? Um, you know, and and what is happening with that? And and there is part of these EU regulations that goes into that, that goes into data collection. It basically goes into um, secure, responsible data loss prevention processes for that. So, yeah, and then for humanity's whole process is that there should be ideas around um, governance and accountability with all AI and emerging technologies in regards to humans. Being an an international group, do you find that, um, you know, people bring their own cultural biases or or baggage to the table? Do, Do people in the EU think about AI and privacy different than perhaps we do here in the U.S. or other parts of the world? Yes. Um, so there definitely have been conversations um, about innovation versus um, privacy um, that have taken place and, and that balance. Um, so that actually has been a conversation because oftentimes when you put too many regulations on things, there can be um, stifling of innovation that might happen. And so that has been a, a conversation that has taken place many a time. I want to talk about uh, your involvement with uh, several organizations uh, regionally that ha- that uh, support women in cybersecurity. Uh, can you tell us about your involvement with them? Um, so one of the prominent organizations I've been involved with is um, WESIS. Um, so that's Women in Cybersecurity. Um, and I'm specifically involved with, um, they have an international organization um, and then I'm involved with the Mid-Atlantic um, branch. So I do um, events coordinating with them. Um, and then I'm involved with their resources committee. So I help um, vet the resources and do research for them. Um, and then I presented at their most recent um, conference as well. And um, they just do um, promoting and um, supporting women being in cybersecurity. Um, and so... They're a very strong and um, wonderful organization. So that's one organization I'm involved with. And then another one that I'm very involved with is um, Breaking Barriers for um, Women in Cybersecurity, which is um, a lean-in circle group. And then mm. I'm on their um, advisory board for um, research. Um, so helping support doing research in cybersecurity um, and how do you do methodologies and research in cybersecurity. You know, having taken the career journey that you have, do you have any words of wisdom for 
folks who might be coming up in a similar path, maybe considering their own career switch and, and aren't quite sure how to go about it? Sure. I mean, I think that a couple of the things you really want to consider are some introspection. So when you're trying to figure out if you want to career pivot, if you want to career switch, what you want to do, you really need to think about wherever you want to switch to, be it cybersecurity or something different. <laughs> um, mm. The field that you want to switch into is probably going to be larger than you even think that you may know that it could be. <laughs> and mm. so do research and think about how large that field is and then talk to people who are in it and ask them how they figured out how how they figured out what they wanted to do within that field. And, and so that's what I did a lot of. I, I asked people, and people were very kind. Um, and so oftentimes people will be kinder than you might think that they would be. Um, mm. and, and not that you would assume people are going to be mean or anything like that, but, um, you know, people are busy. And so you might not think that they would give you their time, but a lot of people did. And, and so reach out to people and say, hey, would you be willing to have a 15-minute virtual coffee chat with me and just tell me about how you got to where you are? And oftentimes people would. And, and so I would just ask them about their story and, and they would tell me. And I found that very helpful. And so um, that, that's what I did a lot of um, when I was first starting out on that journey and, and figuring out exactly where I wanted to go. And, and it's not that their story will become your story. It just, for me, it helped me start defining the parts of my path and narrowing, oh, that's not exactly what I want to do, or maybe I'll take a piece of this and a piece of that. And so it helped me paint my individual path. Um, and then also try a lot of things because you'll start figuring out what you like and what you don't like. But if you close a lot of doors to yourself, you won't know. Um, so those would kind of be my two recommendations is don't be afraid to talk to different people and, and try as many of the variety of things that you can try as possible. Our thanks to Recorded Futures' Megan Jacot for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web, Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thank you.